Oh, hello there. I almost didn't notice you sitting in your chair, headphones on, radio blaring, ready to listen to some sweet, sweet soccer talk from your beautiful boy, Donnie Maz, and that other guy, Eric Gates. But we got an exciting episode for you all today. Uh, welcome to Own Goal Podcast. The date of recording is September 18, 2020. We've got the opening of the Premier League from last weekend to talk about, uh, some transfers to recap, some uh, previews of a couple leagues starting up this week and, and actually today. Just a, a lot to go over, but first... To the byline. It's in, it's in goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. You know, before we get started, I just want to say what a lovely, lovely solo intro by our very own Eric Gates. And actually, it reminds me, there was a very important Oni we forgot to announce last episode. It was Oni for Guest of the Year. And Eric, oh, yeah. I think you know who this Oni goes to. I'm going to let you present this one. I mean, if there's, there's only one nominee. Uh, not because we couldn't have had more guests on, on the pod or anything of, of that nature, but if you listen to, to this esteemed soccer uh, reporter episode, just dropping knowledge bombs all over the place, not, not just saying, oh, I think this, I feel that, but giving good insight, but also kind of pulling in sources of, of having conversations with people high, high level in the Bundesliga before the restart. Uh, if you don't follow him on, on Twitter, give him a follow. Roger Gonzalez, uh, reporting out of CBS Sports, absolute incredible guest. And, and I mean, this guy is getting, getting the scoop for a lot of U.S.-based soccer news. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, he is, he is really like – he is undisputedly my number one source for U.S. soccer guys and news. And, I mean, he is pretty on the money with it. He's just – he's really awesome at what he does and just – such a great guy too, and so could not be happier to present him with the uh, Oni of the Year for guest the Oni for guest of the Year, excuse me. And um, actually, I just wanted to say one last thing on the Onis. Big congratulations to our own Eric Gates for winning the Oni for Gaffer of the Year. So Eric, I'm going to say oh, you were unanimously, <laughs> unanimously voted Gaffer no, of the Year. No, was it, it no, was a landslide? Only, only only one. Only, there can only be one. Uh, belated oni award uh per year it's in the bylaws and there's no way we can um no way we can cheat roger of his oni i mean hashtag raj bombs all the way hashtag raj raj bombs and um actually i'm going to take you to court over these uh, supposed bylaws which is something leo messi is not willing to do to to barcelona and that just kind of jumping in right into the soccer news because I think last episode, the big bomb was that Messi wanted to leave Barcelona. And so here we are, just like two morons, speculating, oh, could he go here? This is possible. I mean, it would really shape up the landscape of the soccer world big time. And, of course, what's happening, Eric? He's staying, of course. In our defense, in our defense, we did several times, although quite uh, monotone and unenthusiastically, say he could still end up staying at Barcelona. And we were really framing the conversation as where he should go. Right? We we were talking about where where he could go and where he should go, not so much where he where he will. Um, and you know, I think obviously time time heals all wounds. 
So in six months, in eight months, will Leo still want to leave? That's the real question. Barcelona's banking that that he'll fall. You know, he said that he's always he will always love Barcelona, but as of right now, he's not in love with Barcelona. So you know, they're they're banking on having this time to get him to fall back in love with Barcelona. But I believe his clause is still active. Just you know, it's not until the end of this next season he'll be able to choose to leave if he wants. So you know, I think we'll be dealing with rumors all all year round. Uh, it's just going to be he's come this close to the edge. Will he get that close again? And, you know, getting to your whole, you know, loving them but not being in love with them, I think both Matthew McConaughey and Ryan Reynolds started a lot of rom-coms kind of with that same premise. <laughs> but, um, and, and what it came down to is that, you know, Messi said straight up, you know, he actually had a great interview with Goal.com where he was very open and, you know, very, it was surprising. I think it was cool that he did it, you know, got the fans to just kind of get some insight. But he said, you know, he loves, he loves the fans and he loves the club itself too much to put them through a lawsuit over his, over, you know, what do you do about this clause? And, you know, he stays for a year and, you know, at the end he can then properly trigger the clause and leave for free if he wants to. Or like Eric said, he may fall back in uh, love with the club and stay, but just a really, um, really interesting situation. And, you know, it's no surprise that, you know, Nothing about that situation really surprised me. It's Messi's personality. He's been a, he's a classy guy. He's been very loyal to Barcelona. Um, I think especially to the, you know the fans as well. And you you know for you know maybe the club makes the right moves. Maybe they bring in Memphis Depay as they've been you know rumored to, or they bring in Sergino Dest who they're fighting over with Bayern Munich. Maybe they start bringing in pieces to you know revitalize the club. Maybe they don't, but. The board and the club have a chance to keep him if they make the right moves in this window and in the um, winter window. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on them. They yeah. they, it's kind of an, an incumbent situation. I think as of right now, I'd probably say more likely he stays with Barcelona just because it gives time for things to cool down. The and we'll talk about this. I think when we hit transfers, there's a couple of Bar- Barcelona rumors, but everything I'm seeing is. They can't make any moves until they offload players, until they, they bring in some, some money by selling players. And a lot of the people that they're looking to move, are other other clubs aren't throwing the price tags that, that they want. So we could still have a log jam. You know, I don't, I don't know how expensive Memphis is, but if Barcelona is saying that they need to, to generate some cash before they can purchase even Memphis or Sergio Nodest, that doesn't give... That's definitely not the backing uh, Messi wants to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think the biggest really news since we've been gone is really just covering transfers. And I think kind of some of the most exciting one kind of been breaking today is really when it broke is with uh, Tottenham Hotspur and um, amateur golfer slash maybe future PGA golfer Gareth Bale. (laughs) I think he'd be more of a European tour golfer, Um, you know. Play play the European tour and then come over with a couple of the like uh, exemption uh, qualification spots. So I don't know if he'll be a future PGAer. I think he likes I think he likes playing golf in in Madrid and and apparently in London. I think he what he had his uh, his medical. He passed the medical, but everybody knows he picked up that injury with Wales during the Nations League uh, last international break. Mm. So he's out for four weeks, but apparently he's. He's not fit enough to play soccer, but he is fit enough to golf with Daniel Levy 
um, today. <laughs> yeah, that was that actually got leaked. It was um, that Gareth Bale and Daniel Levy were booked for a tea time today, and that is honestly the most fantastic part of this whole story. And I, it like obviously I would have rather like man, you signed Gareth Bale. I think I, I think you know last pod when we were talking about or maybe two pods ago I said. Even if it's just for depth, there is no team in Europe that doesn't get a little bit better having Gareth Bale. I completely agree, but I really appreciate that it's Tottenham for two yeah. reasons. One is it's the most Tottenham thing ever for their big marquee signing to be somebody they already had but didn't get him in his prime. You know, they had him, they lost him in his prime, and now they're getting him back. It's just like two years ago when their big offseason signing was getting Lucas Mora healthy again. And they were, like, prancing that as they brought in a new player. So this is very Tottenham-esque. And then the other thing is um, Mourinho, what, fail, failed to, to get him to, to Real Madrid. Mourinho leaves Real Madrid, and then Bale comes to Real Madrid. And now <laughs> Mourinho's at Tottenham, and Bale's coming to Tottenham. So knowing Mourinho, I think he may hold a grudge just because that's who he is. So it'll be interesting to see how the two of them operate just on a, a personality level. Yeah. And another, I think, big signing was that it seemed like Manchester United were drooling over Real Madrid left-back Sergio Reguillon. Reguillon? Reguillon? Reguillon. 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 Sergio Reguillon. And uh, it looks like Tottenham are cucking Man U to him. And I just, I don't, good for Tottenham. It's a good signing. I don't understand how everyone is doing better. Like, there are, like, Aston Villa has spent more money in the transfer window than Manchester United. And I don't understand why anyone thinks that, like, they don't need to add in at least three players. We got one in Donny Van Beek. Good signing, admit, yep, admittedly. Good, good signing for a good price, in my opinion. Fair price. But that's not the probably be enough. My one problem with the Donny Vandebeek signing is I think I think everything you said is correct, and so I would never blame anybody for for making that move. But we talked before transfer window opened, and I don't recall you or people thinking that oh, what United really need to bring in is a midfielder. And I, you know, I think it's a good signing, but did that address one of the key areas that you're really hoping to see addressed? on the off the onset no and so that you know that's 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 kind of i wanted four signings i wanted a winger i wanted a fullback i wanted a center back and i wanted a midfielder and the midfielder was the fourth of those four signings that i wanted yeah so so like like i said like i I think the vandebeek signing is a great signing but i don't think that necessarily translates to united is doing well in the transfer window and then there's the obvious you know that's their only signing also points to that Uh, i don't want to you know beat a dead horse I don't, I don't want to cause you too much misery um but i do have to say if we're tracking early candidates for nominees for uh, cuck of the year united due to transfers is, is first on the on the sheet and that's a great segue to the next player who united was also somewhat linked with thiago who signed with liverpool so just liverpool who won the league by by like what a quadrillion points um just added Thiago, great signing for them, great midfielder, and I'm really surprised as a Spanish dude that he didn't go to Barcelona or Real Madrid. I'm surprised neither yeah. of those clubs. I, I didn't even see any of those clubs being linked with him, which is the biggest surprise I, to me. 
you know, we all saw for I think months the uh, the links and rumors to Liverpool. Then it looked like there was some United stuff heating up, mm-hmm. and then of course when that happened, Liverpool was was sealed. So I don't you know I don't know I'm not in the know and I don't follow the United fan base that that closely. I don't know how how serious you guys got at a, an official level, um, but maybe it was just enough to convince Liverpool they had to pull the trigger. Well, so the big thing, Manu wanted the player. They just thought his wage demands were too high, and I think they felt a little, um, I don't know how to put this, but like a little, they were a little sensitive after having another player with really high wage demands by the name of um, Alexis Alexis Sanchez, which was a horrible fucking situation for everyone. But you know what? And I hate this mentality, and I think it sucks. But there's something to be said about signing a guy who can be valuable, especially when Pogba inevitably is hurt for like two months in the middle of the season. And keeping your biggest rival and the current champions from having him. It's also a guy who has built an incredible uh, title winning pedigree. Yeah, he's also a really fucking good soccer player. Yeah. Uh, So I I think... I mean, not that good. I mean... Granted, a really good soccer player who Bayern Munich is comfortable letting go because a fullback is superior in his own position than him, arguably. Which well, just goes when, back to when, the whole fullback. Wouldn't you argue that just fullbacks are superior to almost all, all positions? Fullbacks are superior to all positions, except if your name is Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Short of that, you can't convince me that 10 fullbacks wouldn't be... Also, England has a lot of good fullbacks. Gareth Southgate has an opportunity here, and if the question is, is he too much of a coward... To take advantage of it, I digress. <laughs> no, but what, what I was just kind of going with this is, I think, and and we didn't do a, because of our scheduling and everything, we didn't do a, a, a legit Premier League preseason kind of looking forward pod. But I thought that's I think what I, this episode was. Exactly, yeah, but, but the season already started. Um, but Fair. in light of what we saw the first week, this is not going to sound too hot of a take, but... I was a, I'm a little hesitant on on Liverpool this year just because it's it's hard to repeat. It really it really is. It's just it's hard to repeat. They're in a lot of competitions. It's a condensed schedule. There's a lot of things going against them, and with no major transfer moves, I think it's easy to get stagnant. I think this is the savvy kind of transfer that can help you bring somebody who can kind of inject a little little life and help you bust the rut if you, if you find yourself in a rut down the road because and we'll hit this later clearly the, the Bundesliga is just everybody in a rut yeah yeah um another I think big um acquisition in the last couple of weeks since we last um had a pod was Everton getting James Rodriguez I know you are a you have been a long time since the 2014 World Cup you're a big James lover Oh yeah, since he had that gigantic roach on his shoulder during that game, that was the most, I'll never forget that image, but yeah, I mean. I mean, it's fair to say you're homosexual. Oh, I I am very homosexual. I mean, he's just on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, it doesn't matter, but when he's in his element, when he's on the ball, uh, able to kind of create, not necessarily needed to be the goal producer or the goal scorer, but can kind of float around the game as needed and whip balls around to more dangerous, you know, clinical 
strikers and stuff. I think he's an incredible talent, and he clearly has a great connection with Carlo Ancelotti. And that's what I was going to say. The only person who's a bigger homosexual than you has got to be Don Carlo, because this is the third club they're going to be at together, where Don Carlo is the one who's like actively getting him to join the club. So clearly Carlo and I have a similar eye for talent. Is what you're telling what you're telling me. Yeah, you guys are basically the same, minus like his entire like successful career as a soccer player and as a soccer coach. But if all those all that aside, basically the same personality. Um, I mean, the blue of Everton. Similar taste. Oh god. Similar taste in talent and similar tastes in Italian clubs. True. The blue of Everton looks phenomenal on James Rodriguez. When I saw the first pictures of him holding up the jersey, I was like, "Oh fuck, he looks fantastic in that blue." I think it just really, yes, it, it makes his, his his smile glows, his eyes shine. It's it's incredible. Yeah, no, he just looks really good in that color. Um, also, I think, I think it's important to note too, Hamas wasn't the only I think big pickup for for Everton. They uh, they brought in three total new midfielders to a point where they're like one of their marquee players for the last half decade, Gilfie Sigerson didn't even crack the starting lineup because you had Hamas, you had uh, Allen, and then you had uh, Ducore from Watford. So Allen, Allen from Napoli, who obviously had worked a little bit with Don Carlo, and then you had Ducore from Watford who got relegated, and Hamas plus Gomez, you know, I think – the fact that they brought in three, you know, two midfielders and then James as a winger. Uh, I'm excited to watch Everton this season, which don't feel like anybody could honestly have, have said in the last three or four years. Yeah. I think um, they're adding the right pieces. Obviously, they have a world-class manager. We're going to – we'll get into it a little bit more in the Premier League preview, but exciting things ahead. Um we talked about this on the last episode, how Gonzalo Higuain signed with uh, the uh, David Beckham MLS team, Inter-Miami, and it looks like we're getting conflicting reports, but either Luis Suarez or Njeko are going to sign for Juventus to replace him. And I actually think the better signing, because I'm trying to think, like, I think Ed Njeko is the better complement for Cristiano Ronaldo. And because of that, I think he would be the better sign. Yeah, but I believe you get Suarez on a free. Okay, so that I think that factors in too. Because Juventus notoriously don't like to spend money because the fiat workers will strike. I.e. Yeah. when they bought Cristiano Ronaldo and they struck for like three months. They don't like to spend money because they, they spent all their money on Ronaldo. Not- and that's, that's why fiat engines suck. Um, and not paying their factory workers. Absurd. So I I could be wrong and and there may be a fee with Suarez, but it's, it's way too publicly known that Barcelona wants to move on from Suarez. So even if Barcelona is demanding a fee, you don't have much room to demand when you've made it public that you're kicking this player out the door, right? It's the same problem Barcelona is having with Arturo Vidal. It's known that they want to get rid of him. So dude, Arturo Vidal would be a I'd like to see him at AC Milan. No, well, no? well, no, no, no. I mean that's fair, but I'm more interested in in being. We're not going to compete for any silverware this year or next year, and in three years, I don't think Vidal's going to have the legs to do it. To, to, to do it, we already have you know Ibrahimovic, who's like eighty. I mean, he's carbon dated like twenty three, but he's actually like eighty years old or something. So, the but. The reason we got that really promising young Italian midfielder, Sandro Tonali, Sandy is, 
<laughs> Sandy toenails is because um, Enter, who basically had everything, you know, in, in agreement with with Brescia to sign the player, they started looking at Arturo Vidal, and then Milan let the player know, hey, we're interested in you, and the kids, uh, he was a Milan fan growing up, and it's like once Milan said they were interested, I told Brescia, I don't want to go to Inter, I only want to go to Milan. So it's interesting that you bring up Vidal because him being available is the whole reason we were able to get one of our, our, our big signings that's an investment in the next five, ten years, hopefully. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, I think oh. Jekko, so back to Jekko and Suarez. So Suarez may be on a free, fair enough. But Jekko's style of play where he can do some of that holdup, he can also create a little, it's a little bit Benzema-esque. Not, not quite to the level of Benzema, in my opinion, but he's got a little bit of the similar characteristics in his game where I think, like, that's the type of guy like Ronaldo obviously thrived with because his best years were playing with Benzema. Yeah. You know, Benzema, in my opinion, is like Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that would be an incredible documentary. Um, <laughs> I would watch the living shit out of it. Unlike Donnie, the Benzema I documentary, I still haven't watched. <laughs> um, no, I, I think you're dead on. I mean, we've talked, and I, I've, he's been one of my nominees, I think, a couple times for Hot Guy. Uh, and Jekko, when he's on, on form, he's world-class. I think people forget that because he's been a little bit in obscurity with Roma. I think Jekko's the better player. I think it may make more business sense to get either a free or cheaper Suarez, who's still a talented player. Mm. Also, could you imagine Suarez and Chiellini on the same team after Suarez tried to eat Chiellini at the World Cup? I mean, it's, that that is just content. Um, and we are, and, the, and on this podcast, more than anything else, pro- we care about content. <laughs> Just in case anyone yes, out there is are, thinking of throwing a dildo at a, at a referee or, you know, hacking in to pl- display porn on a Jumbotron, we are here yes. for that. The only thing, we are, we are pro-content, but we are firmly above everything else, anti-racism, anti-slavery, anti-Namar. Those are the big three antis. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but what I was going to talk about, there's some interesting, like, uh, dominoes where Barcelona need to sell players to buy players. Like we'll talk about Depay, uh, Dest and stuff. Um, so they need to sell somebody, you know, like Vidal, Suarez, if, if they can, and other players, Roma need to sell players to buy players. So like Barcelona want to get rid of Suarez, Roma want to get rid of Jekko and, whoever Juventus goes with is going to unlock that team to then be able to buy some more players. And there's this whole really intricate dominoes that some random team in fucking league uh, can be impacted because they're waiting on a purchase from somebody else who's waiting on a purchase of Jekko or Suarez. It's a weird six degrees of separation that I think is really interesting to see how it plays out. Kind of like if, uh, two teams in the same country both finish in the top four, and both and one of those teams wins the Champions League, and one of those teams wins the Europa League. The third place French team always benefits. Exactly. How is this not being made a bigger deal? Like, how does nobody else think this is a big deal to me? That is bullshit. I'm sorry to take it back there, but when you said some random team in the Fr- in the Uber Eats League, it was a trigger. 
It was a trip. I'm so excited you owned the Uber Eats uh, update this year because I think it's going to be fascinating the things you, you bring up. Oh, I the thing is, I'm going to learn things about the Uber Eats League that nobody should know. Nobody should but, know some of these things. You're going to learn things that they don't want anybody to know. And it's probably a lot if they have to fucking be sponsored by Uber Eats. Fuck, at least the Premier League was Barclays Premier League. That sounds way fucking better than the Uber Eats. I think, I think Syria is being sponsored by Coca-Cola this year. <laughs> they should just call the league Italian Coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess that kind of takes us to some of those dominoes. Barcelona, maybe they're selling Suarez. Does swelling Suarez allow them to bring in Memphis Depay? Who's going to win? Okay, and then really what I want to talk about, because kind of we've talked too much about Barcelona lately. Sergino Dest. Every day, I feel like, oh, it's definitely going to be Bayern Munich. The next day, oh, it's definitely Barcelona. Where is he going? And also, five years ago, if I told you that Bayern Munich and Barcelona were fighting over a 20-year-old fullback who's American, would you believe me? A 20-year-old who's American who he could still technically switch over, but has said up to this point that U.S. invested in him, and he wants to repay that instead of trying to switch over to the Netherlands team, which he would be able to compete for. So there's a whole other caveat. It's not just like this kid is stuck with the U.S. He could, you know, he's got ties to both, so he could very well, you know, I think make either call and not not be making a purely careerist move. Um, No, I would slap you in the face and call you a fucking liar. Um because, you know, that's how, how seriously I, I could take this, but it's flabbergasting. What The way it sounds to me, I really feel like it may be oh, having a, a USA youth teammate that he's played with in Conrad De La Fuente already at Barcelona has helped. I have no fucking clue. Uh, but then he's got uh, Chris Richards over at, at Bayern Munich, so who, who the hell knows? But it sounds like Barcelona may have the inside track on – the agreement with Dest and maybe even on an agreement with, with the clubs, but they are in a holding pattern until they move players. And you can also never forget the connection between Ajax and Barcelona through Johan Cruyff, who's like yep. a legend is considered a legend for both clubs more for, um, as a player for Ajax, more as a manager for Barcelona. And so it's just like, I don't know. I feel like that somehow plays a role in the weird geopolitics of international soccer. No, I, I think I think I, I think relationships between clubs is is really really important. I think you know Milan over the years, Milan and Real Madrid have an incredible for some reason relationship where you know you see Kaká going back and forth. You've seen um, just a lot of agreements. Uh, a loan deal with Brahim Diaz right now is a promising young Theo Hernandez, player. right from Real. They, yeah. Taylor Hernandez. There's there's a lot of a lot of. I mean, you just see goodwill with clubs that have worked together in the past and not screwed each up each each other over. I think that leads to well, if we can deal with that club again, or we deal with a completely a club that we don't have history with, and everything else is equal, we're going to go with the club with history because they haven't fucked us over in the past. So I, I think that that Cruyff connection, even though it's long, like. like there's nothing about Cruyff today that's keeping the clubs together and, and, and you know interacting, but I think there is a, a connective tissue there. Almost like a common longer. shared heritage. Yeah, that. I'm feeling my so buzz, I, I'm feeling my buzzwords today. I'm feeling I'm feeling a little buzz too, but I'm also feeling my buzzwords. Synergy, synergy. Yeah. Uh, 
I, 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 but I, I think it's, you know, Ajax is only going to, going to hold off so long. Right. If, if, if it feels like death is, it seems like death isn't going to be long-term this season in their plans. I think they're, they're banking on him, on him leaving. So I don't, you know, at some point, Bayern's going to pony up whatever it is that Barcelona is offering or Ajax are going to decide, you know what, the guarantee that Bayern's offering now is better than what Barcelona is trying to give us, but maybe can't do until winter or next summer. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, one more tidbit about Barcelona before we jump into segments is that their, their, their manager, also Dutch, if we're just getting back to the, you know, Johan Cruyff and Ajax and the whole thing, um, Ronald Koeman said that he's been really impressed with U- U.S. winger Conrad De La Fuente, which is also one of the greatest names in the entire it's sport. an incredible name for an attacking soccer player. And really... De La Fuente? I know. And it'll be even better when he eventually makes the move to fullback. <laughs> Um, but so that's just good news um, for U.S. soccer fans. Um, one other big thing for U.S. soccer is a uh, happy birthday to Christian Pulisic. Yeah, happy 22nd birthday, I believe. Yep, and um, I think that, you know, I see a lot of kids wearing these little Chelsea Pulisic jerseys. The fact that they're wearing Chelsea you know, jerseys, I want to kick the children if I had it my way. But I think in a lot of ways where it's like, I think guys like maybe our age looked up to either Landon Donovan or really, if you're like not a if, pussy, if you're not a pussy, yeah. you looked up to Clint Dempsey. If you're not a sheeple, yeah, yeah. And like what Clint Dempsey was able to do in the Premier League, I remember being in middle school and being in high school and thinking like that's so awesome that a guy from Texas was doing all this in the Premier League. And I think Pulisic is going to have a really big impact on U.S. soccer, not just during his playing career, but. 15 20 years from now when he's maybe not playing about the guys that he inspired and it's just cool to see him follow the other guys who had made it in the premier league and played in the premier league clint dempsey we just mentioned tim howard another example uh casey keller played in the premier league um brian mcbride played for fulham as well but it's just like i i just think that it is cool the impact that he's gonna have and man i gotta tell you with chris richards all these fullbacks Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. Weston who, McKinney, Weston literally. McKinney, who's been crushing it in training, apparently. And literally playing alongside Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> that picture that surfaced of him just, like, giving Ronaldo the, like, I want to fuck you eyes was incredible. Well, and then, and then the, the same day, there was the, the little quick video. Uh, it was, I think, a, a Barcelona friendly or, or maybe, like, a cup game or something of Conrad De La Fuente talking and walking with Messi uh to like the, like the the warm-up before the game it's just like we've got you know weston's way more established in, in the first team and in, in a little for long in his career but the fact that we've got two national team in the picture players lear- practicing with and learning from two of the greatest players of all time is, is pretty awesome it yeah. just makes me it just makes me vomit that it's my favorite u.s player and it's fucking juventus i know that that's hurtful. I feel it to a, not the same extent, but to some extent with Pulisic at Chelsea. But I try to then think like, man, so many guys are going to be popular that like, it's not crazy that maybe, just maybe, and this is now just this podcast has just now gone off the wheels. By the way, the U.S. <laughs> could win a World Cup before I die. 
Like, 2026! <laughs> seriously. I just want to see him win a World Cup, man. Like, you, no one could ever convince me that the World Cup is not the world's, is not the greatest sporting event in the world. I don't yeah, know. No, I'm about is. to cry thinking about the U.S. winning the World Cup. Let's move on to segments. <laughs> I'm deeply depressed now. All right, so this is everybody's favorite segment. It's usually Donnie's favorite segment when he's not spiraling into <laughs> but, uh, good hot guy of the week. Uh, my hot guy of the week opened up the Premier League with a hat trick. I think there's an asterisk in the in the fact that two of his three goals were from the spot kick, and you could say that between both of them, maybe one of them cumulatively deserved to be called. You could also say that individually on merit, both of them were highly questionable. I'm talking about Mohamed Salah uh, and his three-goal performance in the 4-3 Liverpool victory over Leeds. But more important than, than the goals, he, you know, he played well. He it looked great in, in his movement. And also, he looked great. I, I love the new do. I, I, I was big on Salah before the World Cup a few years back. I've, I've been a fan of his. I'm not a big Liverpool fan, but I like I like Mo. Uh, but I got to say, I love just the, the new do. It's different. It's fun. And people forget, if you ever go on his Instagram, the He's dude is ripped. shredded. He is so shredded. He is like, I mean, fucking Egyptian. Talk about King motherfucking Tut shredded right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, Liverpool, so, obviously, but good selection, good selection. Um, my Hawkeye of the Week also scored a hat trick on his league's opening day. Uh, didn't need any penalties to do it, however. I'm obviously talking about my last Hawkeye of the Week. That's right, Donald's hitting you with two, same player, two consecutive Hawkeyes, everyone's favorite 1980s porn icon, Serge Nabry. Hit another hat trick. I mean, I love this guy so much. I love his story of like struggling to make the first team at West Brom, and now is just like one and, of Bayern's most dynamic players. Being sold for five million from Arsenal to make space for Alex Awobi. Yeah, it's 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 like when people compare, you know, um, how. Mahomes and uh, Watson went later in the draft than other quarterbacks, and it's like, what the fuck? By other quarterbacks, you mean Mitchell Trubisky? <laughs> yeah, the Trubisket. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think it is fascinating, and you, if you're Bayern, you gotta love seeing him, you know, pick up from the short break, right where he left off. Yeah, and yeah, I mean the the dude is just awesome. Um. It's also hard to not pick players who just scored hat tricks for Hawkeye of the Week. It's pretty hard to beat out a hat trick. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that both Hawkeyes were hat trick Hawkeyes. Yeah. This is the first time ever both Hawkeyes of the Week have been hat trick Hawkeyes of the Week. Okay, speaking of Hawkeyes of the Week, we got to talk about the um, last year's winner of the uh, Hawkeye of the Year and a perennial contender any given week of Hawkeye of the Week, who, by the way, would have been a Hawkeye of the Week for me if because I would never pick a Liverpool player. If um, Sergeant Abbey didn't get a hat trick because he had a sick goal in the uh, uh, Carabao Cup, aka the League Cup, off the volley off the corner. Obviously, I'm talking about Jack Grealish because how could we have a podcast not talking about him? So re-upped at Aston Villa for another yes. five years. Five, five years. And honestly, it, that's for the best. He doesn't need to be tainted by the money of the big clubs. He 
be the best player at Aston Villa and let us love you and be loyal to your club. But he yeah. brought his puppy to his contract signing, and there's a picture of one of the most attractive men I've ever seen in my life and a very beautiful puppy together. An adorable puppy, yeah. I mean, he knew what he's doing. That picture's a thirst trap, and it's... Oh, it's, it's working. Yeah, it's I am in his DMs. I am thirsty. <laughs> uh, but the, the other thing, I, I, I'm, t- I'm, I'm kind of torn because I love the the story he's a childhood fan you know captain brought them up from relic from from from, uh championship to promotion staved off relegation i would a hundred percent love to see grelish play out the the full five years of his extension at at villa and keep them in the premier league i'm just worried that we're going to see this year like we saw last year where teams can put all of their focus on grelish and they don't have the talent to capitalize on that, right? I think you need a little more offensive and midfield talent to make it so they get punished by focusing two to three people on Grelish whenever he's on the ball. What you need is teams have to choose one to two players on Grelish or or they have to sacrifice other players to, to him and Villa needs to be able to capitalize and they couldn't do that last year. And I think... I think the extinction is more of a way of hey we, we didn't sell you this year you know covid really fucked everything up on the market we we need the money that you're worth so extend with us and if things don't go well this year we will definitely sell you but your contract lets us sell you for more yeah i think that's a uh, i think that's a pretty fair analysis there um and with that we're going to hop right into the aptitude test. Obviously, for any new listeners we may have picked up this season, doubtful, but just in case, this is the segment where we say, if so-and-so wasn't involved in the soccer world in some way as a player, coach, manager, what would they be doing? Classic example, if Peter Crouch wasn't a soccer player, he said, in his own words, that he would be a virgin. Antonio Cassano, in his words, if he wasn't a soccer player, he'd be a criminal. Yeah, and that's kind of the um, the storylines that inspired this segment. So, Eric D. Gates. If, let's see here. Here's a good one. Who is a good one? Oh, I got a good one. If Angel Di Maria wasn't a professional soccer player, what would he be doing? Okay, this is going to be a throwback because okay. because he spent several years as a teammate of Gareth Bale. Yes. And if you recall, I have a longstanding theory that we even talked about on the podcast when you asked me the aptitude of Gareth Bale. I said he'd be a vampire because there's something vampiric about his, his pale face and, his, and just there's something about him. I see... Angel Di Maria as like the count of some Transylvanian uh, castle, who's maybe but maybe not a vampire, but is definitely a vampire. Okay, so he's a vampire. Yeah, because he was turned by Gareth Bale. Okay, this is also a throwback because like of the pandemic, so nobody's been in a shopping mall in a while. But you know, going through like a shopping mall. And I don't know if there's prevalent now, but like you walk through and there's the guy who like, you're like, you're like, let me paint the picture. Hold on. 
You're in the mall. You're 10 years old. Your mom is taking you to the mall. Is this before or after the pretzel run? This is before the pretzel run. The pretzel run's usually at the end before you go home. To get you to behave. To get you to behave. That's how That's how you get, yeah, you get dogs. but the other thing is you do it early enough that you're done eating the pretzels before you're in the car because the cinnamon sugar gets everywhere. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But you're in the mall. You're 10 years old. You're with your mom. Your mom needs something in the mall. You're walking through like just like the hallway of the mall. And some, and some guy in like a v-neck with wearing way too much cologne is trying to approaches your mom tells your mom she's beautiful and is trying to sell her something every person knows the scenario there is no world where angel Di maria if he wasn't really talented at soccer isn't one of those dudes calling your mom beautiful or my mom or any mom beautiful and trying to sell her something she doesn't want but just trying to flatter her that is a hundred percent what he would be doing like, upping the charm factor is so high that it's not charming, and it's just falling flat. Yeah, yeah he's, like, basically a kiosk jockey at the mall. Yeah. I, no, I think that's really good. I, I, I see it, and I feel it. Well, yeah, because I think everyone who's ever been to the mall with their mom has literally experienced this. Unless your mom is, like, an absolute, just, like, I don't want to insult anyone's mom, but unless your mom is just, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut you off. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> it's probably for the best. So my my choice for aptitude test may be a repeat from when we first launched this. I, I don't know, and if so, fuck it. Uh, I'll nobody has it. nobody, including us, has listened to these podcasts in enough detail to call us out on exactly. This. So Donald, if this person hadn't been an incredibly talented soccer player, still is with a lot of hits and one major miss on on his record, what would Alexis Sanchez be doing with his life? Alexis Sanchez would 100% be on season six of Hell's Kitchen, where he would make it to like the last four chefs, but he would just do something so inexplicably stupid that Gordon Ramsay would just like lose his shit on him. I don't know. I feel like for a lot of the soccer players, they all remind me of bakers or chefs. I go there a lot with them. I don't know why, but he would be like a, he wouldn't be a world-class chef. He'd be a decent chef at like a local restaurant in a small town but when he would try to make that big jump via hell's kitchen gordon ramsay would just rip him apart because as we've seen he, he has a problem with some british people <laughs> not bad so i'm gonna be pulling from his transfer to man united uh do you remember the announcement oh yes with him playing that piano oh yes and his two golden retrievers <laughs> in the video. Oh, yes. I think Alexis Sanchez is going to be, he'd be like a, a, a tandem partnership as he wouldn't be the breeder, but he'd be the world-renowned golden retriever trainer. Uh, so he'd partner with a club. Uh, he'd be know, like the dog whisperer. But like, but not the dog whisperer. Right, not right. like a big, it would be like if you have many 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 thousands of dollars to spend on on training your dog you're you're specifically your golden retriever you take him to you take them to alexis sanchez okay okay i like that i like that um all right and so with that we're just gonna dive into our quick kind of league previews and 
you know, probably not going to be as substantive as we usually like to do, considering, like, so many of the leagues are already starting up, and it's crazy that we had basically three weeks between the Champions League final yeah. and the season starting, but we'll just hop in with the, I don't know, just totally random, I guess we'll just start with the Premier League. Well, I mean, the Premier League started last week, uh, Bundesliga started today, and Serie A starts this weekend. Oh, to La be Liga. fair, a league on the Uber Eats League. Oh, let me do our Uber Eats League update. That started like three weeks ago. Um, PSG are in 15th place. They lost their first two games 1-0. To be fair, for those first two games, like half their squad was out with coronavirus. Yeah. They beat Leon 1-0, after which there was a massive brawl, five red cards. Neymar punched somebody. Neymar also accused uh, somebody of racially abusing them on the field. I think the person he punched was the person... Yes. The accusation were levied against, yeah. Where he made it accused. Either way, if the guy actually did it, that's fucking horrible. And if Neymar lied about it, that's fucking horrible. We weren't there. We don't know. Either way, it's a terrible situation. It's just this whole sort of behavior doesn't belong on a soccer field at all. Um, the worst part of it, though, was that the Uber Eats League president said that racism does not exist in French soccer or in soccer? No, he said it doesn't exist in sports. He doesn't, it doesn't exist in soccer and in, in soccer period. Yeah, um, and his it's, and his proof was that when like a, a black player scores a goal, the fan all fans of that team cheer for the goal, and that's his proof. It's like he's ignoring all the times that opposing teams and sometimes unhappy fans of, of their own team will heckle a player and whistle a player based on their race alone. Yeah. You know, you would have think you would have thought that the worst take of the last couple of weeks would have been um Skip Bayless saying that yeah. Zach Dak Prescott being depre- being clinically depressed over his brother's suicide was a sign of weakness and not, you know, becoming of the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. You would have thought that would have been the worst take you would have heard the last couple of weeks. But no, no, leave it to the French to always, you know, uh, one-up that with this leave take. It, leave it to the French Football Federation officials, especially, to have a worst take. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, in the early draft of the outline, I had it as French president. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that, like, everyone would know we were talking about the uh, the, the soccer president. And it was, it was a good correction by Eric to make sure we were very clear that it wasn't France's actual president that was in that. I didn't want people to think we were accusing Macron of uh, this incredible tone deafness, to put it kindly. That is the nicest way you could describe just this absolutely moronic opinion, which honestly is just so incorrect. But yeah, Uber Eats League... Let's give it, like, a couple of months, and I'm sure PSG will be fine. PSG are going to win it. I don't really think that's, like, a concern. Yeah. If you want to preview it, PSG are going to win, and Lyon and Monaco and Marseille are probably going to be trying to be the three of the teams competing for the top four. And one thing just to add, even though it's not my place, um, missing most of last season with, with injuries, it looks like Timothy Weah is back healthy for, for I think it's, what, Lille? Lille, baby. So I think that could be an exciting, exciting progress to watch, just as as those interested in, in American players. I know you wanted to, to start officially with the, the Premier League, but knowing where you have to go with the Bundesliga, what if we uh, jump there next? I like that actually because okay, here I am today at work. 
I'm writing a motion. <laughs> Figure I'll have just pull up the um, oh Byron and Schalke are playing. Pull that up in the background, and I stopped watching after the first half when Byron were up like three zero instantly. Bayern Munich beat Schalke eight zero. It was it. At a certain point, I almost felt bad that Byron kept scoring. Not that Byron were doing anything wrong by scoring, but it's just like, I felt bad for professional athletes losing 8-0. And I realized at that moment that, in a way, the Bundesliga and the Uber Eats League are not so different. In that their very top teams are so much, I mean, okay, yeah, PSG's had a couple of losses right now because of, you know, they're missing players who are self-quarantining and getting over COVID, but... Bayern Munich is so much better than everyone else and has just been dominating that league the same way that PSG dominates that league. Like, in terms of, like, both these teams have won, like, the last, like, you know, so many of the last championships and just just so dominant that it's just, like, how can I even be excited that anyone is going to challenge Bayern? At least in Serie A last year, before the, the pandemic stopped, Juventus were being challenged by other teams. And the year before, Napoli were challenging them. Yeah, I, I, I think you've got a fair point. Uh, I, and this may just be my dislike of the uh, league. Uh, I'm hesitant to, to concede your argument yet until we see Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig uh, kind of, you know, compete and, and compete against Bayern Munich. Yeah. Simply because this is a Schalke team that ended the the year with the in the restart as like one of the worst fucking teams in in the Bundesliga. Then they got rid of one their, maybe their most promising talent and and maybe one of their be- their best player honestly in Weston McKinney. They shipped him off to Juventus. They haven't done much to get better, and you know I think we saw they have adjusted their goals from competing in Europe to being financially viable. So it sucks because I think Schalke, especially for U.S. fans who remember, you know, uh, Jermaine Jones, big fans of of Wesley McKinney coming up. Schalke is a a, a club steeped in in history as well as being historically competitive. They got fucking wiped. They didn't deserve to be on the same playing surface as Bayern Munich. But I don't want to condemn the Bundesliga to the boring Liga just yet because I think we're going to see some exciting stuff from Dortmund and potentially from Leipzig as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, yeah, Bundesliga for me, full on back to boring Liga. One game was enough for me to make that determination. Uh, it, it, the, the league is, it's, it, it's a, it's a boring league and it's on the verge of being a fraudulent league. In, in, in your defense, in defense of your argument, I didn't even turn the game on. I have the golf on. T- I have the U.S. Open on today instead. Yeah, Fat Pat and Bryson DeChambeau making moves. Yeah, that's just chunky Bryson. <laughs> Chonk. Um, all right. Should we do the Premier League? Can we do the Premier yeah. League now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah, uh, the Premier League. It's back. Tomorrow at 11.30, I'll have the joy of watching Man U tie Crystal Palace. I'm so happy about that. Uh, Liverpool, as Eric very correctly predicted, 
ran like won the uh, Premier League, ran away with it. Even without the benefit of the match they had against Leeds, which we'll get into, I don't see them repeating. For a lot of the reasons you said, it's hard to repeat. It's hard. And I see Man City winning the Premier League this year, which I I have no that doesn't really give me much more joy to say that either. But I think Man City kind of take that back this year. Um, I have Liverpool second. I have Chelsea third, and I have Wolverhampton Wanderers fourth. <laughs> oh God. Before I give mine, I, I'd like to just offer my, my thoughts on, on your picks. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to have a very similar top two. I love the... So, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, signed Nuno Santo to an extinction, which I thought was an incredible you know grab for them. Yep. A great manager. Really has a, a shared vision that the club has bought into. He's, you know, getting backed. I don't think they have the squad depth for a top four finish. I just, I don't. Uh, he basically ran the same 11 all season last year. And he and came they, so close. And he came so close. And they sold, they sold Doherty. Um, in case it was, they, they sold Doherty. I haven't seen, I don't, I don't really know the moves they've brought in necessarily. Um, I love that their third kit this year is basically the Portugal national. Well, they team signed some kit. big Portuguese guy. They signed another Portuguese guy. Yeah, yeah. So they're going all in on, on the Portugal front. I, I don't know if they're any deeper this year than they were last year, and I think that's what really impeded them from from breaking the top four. Um, and I, I think also, those are fair points to respond. And it was like really was like was I was I really gonna pick Arsenal or Tottenham to put, finish in the top four? Or was I gonna have fun and throw Wolves in there for the fuck of it? Yeah. No, I, I think I think that's fair. Um, and then I guess like I was going to mind. I, I, we have the same top two. I don't think Liverpool, as stated before by both of us, I don't think they repeat. It's too fucking hard. They're a really good team. I think it's going to come down to like maybe less than one game. You know, we may, it may be a one or two point win. Um, I think it's Man City. And then in third place, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but I have Manchester United. Why are you sorry to do that to me? I, I don't even have them finishing in my top four. I'm ex- you you were more correct last season than I was. You're the prophet. You're fucking Gates Stradamus over there with your crystal ball. <laughs> Third place. That's great. We're staying the same. Because, because I, I like so many of their players. And if I like a team and I like, I like those players, it all goes to shit. <laughs> so that's what I'm apologizing for. Fair. Um, so I'm sorry. But I love the attack. I love the midfield. There's some defensive questions. Um, I like having Dean Henderson in the squad to push and challenge David Aya. That's going to be a storyline right there. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to make both people play better when they play. So so I like that. Um, I mean, do you I've, think I'm, you, I'm a do you think Man U like re? totally revolutionizes the game of soccer and goes to a two goalie system the way the NHL <laughs> has in recent years, that would be nuts. I don't think you, I don't think you'd see it in soccer, but it, it would be nuts. It's just a random it thought would, because we've been watching so much hockey. Just a random thought yeah. that popped in my head. It, it, it would be nuts. And, and, you know, I think this, I don't know if you can say the initial has been totally revolutionized because you still have two schools of thought. And we're going to see that in this, uh, this series with one team that's heavily alternated and one team that has basically had one goalie play almost every game except for a few things here and there during the regular season. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But fourth is a toss-up for me. 
I have many, many candidates. You know, Chelsea obviously needs to be there because of how they finished last season and the investments they've made. But if we, and I think we're going to touch on it when we go over the 3 1 uh, Brighton result, without Christian Pulisic, I thought their offense actually looked pretty boring and, and lacking of ideas. Yeah, they, their goals were from a penalty and from two defenders. They were bailed out by by defenders, and one of them was a an absolute stunner that I don't think Reese James is going to be able to reproduce on a consistent basis. Uh, and, and not not because I don't think he's talented; it's just because it was a really really impressive shot. Um, no no keeper has let in more goals from outside the box since Keppa's arrival than Keppa. I think that's a very concerning stat in a Dude, league. Keppa is have... a terrible. At some point, Te- Keppa is a terrible fucking goalie. In a league where you have midfielders that can rip shots and, and forwards that can rip shots from outside the box, like the Premier League, that's a really concerning stat. Um, you know, it's not like no goalie has let in more goals from corner kicks, and it's been three since the, it's he's let in like twenty goals from outside the box in his little little over under like around two seasons. That's rough. That's rough. Um, so I don't have them in fourth. Um, I, I think obviously what I liked what I liked seeing was they struggled about Pulisic offensively, which is great because I think that means he's going to he, he's pivotal. And, and in case ha- you're you're not aware, this is a very pro Christian Pulisic podcast. A hundred percent. They didn't have uh, Thiago Silva or Chilwell playing, and I think that that could be be a big factor. But I just, Brighton Brighton looked more dangerous than Chelsea for most of the game. Well, and, so you know, not- and I'm just going to add this in while we're talking about it. Kai Havertz really struggled to make any impact on that game. And Timo Werner, after the game, said, talked about how he never played against such, like, big, strong that, center backs. And it's just like... That could move. Yeah. The Premier... It, people don't appreciate this, but the physicality of the Premier League is something else. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so, I, I don't I don't have Chelsea. Until they do it, I will never predict. Ar- I mean, until they do it again after after the, after their recent fall, I'm not predicting Arsenal in top four until they finish top four. Sure. And and I give Tottenham the same treatment. <laughs> I just I, I don't believe in in I don't believe in them behind Jose. Even with I, Gareth, I just I don't think going from Poch to Jose is the right personality transition. Okay, how does how does Pochettino not have a job? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's sitting. Maybe he's waiting a little bit. For what job? I, I have no fucking clue. Argentina. Who knows? Oh, shit. That would actually worry me because Messi could win the World Cup if Pochett was the coach, possibly. And, and he's Argentinian. Maybe he's waiting. Or. or he's waiting for United. No. He's waiting for the United States. Because eventually, <laughs> the Burhalter is going to like, fuck up. Like yeah, when we fa- when we fail to qualify for 2022, when we fail to qualify for 2026, even though the World Cup is being hosted <laughs> in our country and we automatically qualify, but somehow FIFA decides we're just we can't play. Yeah. Um. So so I'm ruling Tottenham out. I'm ruling Arsenal out. We talked about this team already today. This is my homer pick. This is not gonna happen. Everton. And, and after I say it, they're gonna drop like five straight games. Everton. Don Carlo and Jaimez Rodriguez are going to lead Everton to a fourth place finish that will, even if it's his only good season at Everton, it will it will 
create and cement Jaime Rodriguez as a club, like as, as a club legend, as a a folk hero like for a cult decades classic, to come. Basically. Yes, I don't like, think you're uh, crazy for that. I have Everton finishing in, in in the top six. I don't know. I feel him this year. I'm with you. I do feel him. Yeah, that that's my pick. That's wrong. I feel very confident in my top three. I feel confident in my top three too. Wolves is my pick where I'm like, eh, it could be a lot of things. I might as well, why not have fun and go with Wolves? Yeah. So wait, if you have, if you have Wolves at four and you have Everton at, at, in your top six, who's your other team in your top six? Who's in fifth? Honestly, just because I actually think that... Um... I actually think Mikel Arteta is a good coach. I actually yeah. could see Arsenal finishing fifth. I don't know, man. I just feel like I've seen this trend with Man U where they squeak in the top four and then they put in no investment in the no squad and then they don't finish in the top four. Then they fire their coach, bring in a new coach, put in investment. It's just, it's just, it's just the same shit. Yeah. I have no, no I, I don't know. I also just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like so jaded and so like negative that it's like skewing me, but yeah. Then I could see, like, Tottenham reunited in seventh. I see something similar to this season where United finished third, and it's a final day kind of finish where they end up in third, but they could have easily been, like, sixth, you know? Mm. And they are 15 to 25 points behind second place. That, that sounds about right. Because they haven't made the investment to close the gap. I agree. Yeah. Unless all of a sudden Martial and Rashford are going to start scoring 30 goals apiece. Like, unless all of a sudden something, like, they all just take these major steps forward or, like, Dean Henderson or David De Gea well, like goes to God-tier form. Barring something completely unexpected, I totally agree. I don't know. I think if you have if, if you have Rashford and Martial playing like they played last year, but maybe are smarter with cup appearances so that Rashford doesn't hurt his back and miss two months... It'd be nice. Um, Kind of going into the games already kicked off. That Liverpool-Leeds game was electric. Leeds are going to be a fun team this year. So, okay, here's my way-too-early reaction question for you. Are Leeds, like, this good where they're going to, you know, are they going to pull, like, a Sheffield from last year? Not necessarily compete for European spots, but be clearly above the relegation battle from the beginning or does Liverpool have some defensive problems and is Virgil van Dyke on fraud alert? Uh, Virgil van Dyke is on fraud alert. Anytime you're, te- you're a, you're a world-class center back and your team gives up three goals. It's no bueno. And he was, he was responsible. For, I think he was error involved in like two of them. Uh, no, no, no premier league defender was, had errors responsible for more goals last season than Van Dyke. Yeah. I think he is on fraud alert. We're going to be monitoring that. I think Leeds is the type of team where it's like, they're going to take the game two teams. And that means they're going to get results. They shouldn't, but that also means they're going to lose like six, three sometimes. <laughs> they're, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to try to take it to pep and get railed. Yeah, railed. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll probably frustrate Mourinho. I, I, I see that. Oh yeah, 
Bielsa, I think, is going to frustrate Mourinho, uh, and then it's a toss-up. They they may get wrecked by United one game, and then they may tire eke out a win against United another game in like a 4-4 yeah. thriller. Yeah, I think they're going to finish like anywhere from, I think their ceiling is like ninth. And I think their floor is like 15th. I think I don't think they're gonna get relegated. I think they're gonna stay up. I think they're gonna finish kind of in that like you know like right in the mid table ish, lower mid table range. Hear um, me out. Hear me out. Ninth place finish, and then they purchase Jack Grealish next season. Just saying. Honestly. Somebody could convince me that Leeds has a better chance at winning a Premier League title before Man U wins another one, so fuck it. Take Grealish, too. Just take everything from me. Um, I will say, you know, we talked about Everton looking good. Beat Tottenham 1-0. Not a great start for Tottenham. Good start for Everton. I thought Arsenal. I know Fulham is newly promoted, but Willian having a hat-trick of assists, I just think that was a great pickup on a free. Proven Premier League player. Just good pickup on a free. Um, this weekend, you know, we got Manu Palace. I think that's going to be a tie. Arsenal West Ham. That'll be interesting if Arsenal can kind of keep it up. Leeds and Fulham, and I think Leeds is going to beat the brakes off of Fulham. See, this this could be one of those games that you talked about though, where Leeds are going to get results they shouldn't, but Leeds are going to going to drop results they shouldn't. I, I could see this being like a zero zero one one scrappy game because Fulham knows, um, you know, if they're planning out where they they need to grab points to stay up against the promoted teams is, is where they need to grab points. And Anthony Robinson made his debut for Fulham in the League Cup, and so I hope we see him in the Premier League soon, but I'm already happy I'm happy he's already made his debut. Yeah. I think that's a good sign. Uh, I know City playing the League Cup Thursday the 24th. I'd love hopefully Zach Steffen gets in there and so that'll be good. Um, I think the games to really look forward to on Sunday, Chelsea-Liverpool, I think that's going to be electric. Their their game at the end of this last season, which was like two months ago, was incredible. Yeah, when uh, when Pulisic murdered Joe Gomez, literally just murdered him. And then... Murked him. And then, then like, two minutes later, worked Trent Alexander-Arnold on that that chest and then turn goal. Uh, Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to watch Pulisic, which I, I, I'm i bummed because I want to see him with Havertz, with Werner. I want to see Chelsea put those pieces together and, and see Pulisic integral as a, as a – I think he's going to be a focal point of that offense, which even if you're not you know happy that he's there – Similar to how I have to be happy that uh, Weston gets to play with with uh, Cristiano. Oh yeah, it's going to make him a better player, and it's going to I think in, increase the perception of American soccer players when they see this star-studded offensive attack that has that is going to I think flow through Pulisic. Yeah, and I think a great indication of that was when Pulisic got the number ten shirt at Chelsea. Yes, that you know n- certain jersey numbers just have a special importance. They mean, they mean something. 10 being chief amongst them, and yeah. So, also all those people who have the 22 Chelsea, uh, 22 Pulisic jerseys kind of look like clowns now. That makes me a little bit happy. I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think that's, you know, if, if he's still there in four years, right, you have your 22 Pulisic jersey, you're like, yeah, I, I bought into this before he was proven at Chelsea. It's kind of like the, you know, 
it's like the people that 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 still have the the OG Kobe jersey before he switched numbers, or the OG Rashford jersey. When he was right, like thirty nine. Yeah, I love that. I love that jersey. God damn it! All right, uh, so that's one of the big ones. Uh, Chelsea Liverpool. Wolves Man City Monday is kind of delightful to me because I like Wolves. I think we both like this. Is a this is a podcast that likes the Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's I mean it's it's hard to have a heart like a, a sports heart and dislike Wolves. Agreed. It's just the way they play, their manager, their players, the I mean their fan base too. Even though we don't really have a fan base right now, but like like Molinau, Molinau, Molinau is like known to be a, a really raucous environment in the Premier League. You know, they, they got promoted just, what, two years ago, three years ago? It's it's hard to dislike Wolves, man. I agree. Um, La Liga. I feel like we can just make this short and sweet. Either Barcelona or Real Madrid are going to win the title. Atletico Madrid is going to finish third, and somebody else is going to finish fourth. Atletico Madrid will do that thing where anytime they have a chance to make points again, like on Barcelona and Real Madrid, they will lose. Yep. Yep. So I don't know what else to talk about there. I know that's a league you neither of us are particularly fond of. We'll we'll get into it when the matches start, but I'm not. I don't know. I don't really have a full preview for La Liga. No, I think we're. I, I, yeah, I think. Uh, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about them in the Champions League. <laughs> exactly. And now we will take our trip to the land of the Tortellinis, where we talk about the Coca-Cola Serie <laughs> I need to confirm that, because that was just something that I was, I was seeing. I'm pretty sure, I can't confirm it, but I'm pretty sure that that's the sponsor this season. Dude, when uh, will Serie um, stop being such little cowards and actually have a Pornhub sponsor on one of the jerseys? Because the only major league I could see it happening is Serie for some reason. Just imagine, like, Lecce with just Pornhub right across the jersey. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, it's one more economic crisis away from happening. <laughs> so, it's probably not that far off, unfortunately. Couple couple things to, to keep an eye out for. Um, I think if there's ever been a season where Juventus is repeat title hopes have been in jeopardy from the get-go it's this season and it's inter uh we saw inter kind of got it together beginning half of last season things didn't fall apart and they finished in second place they 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 had a good season but they didn't challenge for the title like they thought they uh they have a, a second season with conti uh behind the wheel they've been they have been adding some more players i i think it's going to hurt me, but I think Inter probably win it this year. I completely uh, agree. That was going to be my big thing. Inter Milan are going to win Serie hundred percent on board with you yeah. there. And, and and Eric just leaves leaves soccer fandom in, in his past and swears off sports and just reads books for the rest of his life. It's going to be dark for me. Um, similar story as as we've talked about for the last few years. The 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 push for top four is going to I think be fascinating. I think. Uh, Juventus will very clearly compete for being the lead for a lot of and either win or lose at the end of the the, the league. So they'll finish in first or second. I think that's pretty well known. Yep. Then you have 
Atalanta, who have strung together a couple really good seasons. You have Lazio, they've had some really good seasons. You have Inter. So I think Inter and Juve are one and two. Uh, so Lazio, Atalanta, Roma, Roma Napoli, Napoli, and then if you look at performances of the restart, Milan was one of the hottest teams in, in the league. Uh, them in Atlanta. That's five teams for two spots of top four. Uh, so, and, and I think all five of those teams mentioned are in European competition uh, between Champions League and the Europa League. So, a lot of congested schedules. It's hard to say what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And my God, Milan really need to fucking finally qualify for Champions League just because of the financial backing they can get the players they can start to to bring in uh instead of trying to get oh promising young players that may or may not pan out and and old players a little bit past their prime or players that didn't that didn't pan out and taking less risks and actually building a squad that can win a fucking title and return to europe instead of being a joke so who do you have finishing third and fourth Atalanta finish in the top four. Okay. Say it. Lazio finish fourth. Okay. I have Atalanta kind of having like a hangover of their like the great season they just had. So I have them not finishing in the top four. I have Lazio finishing third. And I have AC Milan finishing fourth. It's just, it can happen. I just, I don't think it will. I like how neither of us picked our own clubs <laughs> to finish in the top four. But we picked each other's clubs to finish in the respective top fours. Which is just, that just really says something. Yeah. I'm not ready for this Italian season to start. I'm not ready well, for the heart. It literally starts. It is. It, we started recording this podcast on September 18th. It is now <laughs> it September, is, 19th. September 19th. It is starting in like five hours, six hours. I'm not ready. Milan play like on Monday. You better yeah, get ready. Well, ladies and gents, that is own goal uh, podcast season. I guess we're on season three now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Season three. Um, Finally resumed a more regular podcasting schedule. You know what? So, we, uh, it only took a global pandemic to get us really on track. <laughs> but um, the, problem, the problem was we had such a good cadence when we kicked off with the World Cup, and then the World Cup ended, and we just you know everything was in flux from there. So now that we found some solid recurring club uh, scheduling, I feel like we, we're, we're really in our stride. Well, and I think I think you know we've been doing it every couple of weeks, and I think it's been working out really well. We don't get we don't get the podcast fatigue. We get in our grooves. We get we you know we let two weeks of uh, content kind of aggregate, and we can kind of just do a quick dump on people. Yeah, uh, kind of like what OBJ likes. You know, it's a it's a nice little. <laughs> quick dump. I I want to get a little cross sports today. You know, we mentioned a little hockey. We talked a little golf. We now have talking about OBJ liking to get pooped on. Heck, I even want to talk about Novak Djokovic throat. 
cucking that lady. That oh was God. brutal. And I, I obviously, I don't think he did it on purpose, but I also believe that the correct rule was enforced and the correct oh, yeah. justice was done. It it's, doesn't. It, it sucks, it, but I mean, that was the the rule dictated that result. Intent only matters in that if it was on purpose, then like it needs a harsher punishment. I don't think I don't think it was on purpose. And but what I mean by intent doesn't really matter is like he's supposed to be one of the most talented people at controlling a yellow ball with a racket in the world. There's literally. If you look at the places that, that the line judge was compared to the places the line judge wasn't, there is a almost infinite percentage of places where the line judge wasn't, and he couldn't hit that really high number. As one of my uh, one of our buddies told me, JP, you know, to play tennis his entire life, if you hit a ball out of frustration and it hits a tournament official, you're done. Everyone knows this when they start playing in tennis tournaments when they're eight. I mean, this is not a rule unique to the U.S. Open. This is a rule that exists in the entire tennis world. And Djokovic is 33, 34 years old. He's old enough to not even hit the balls out of first. Like, he doesn't need to be yeah. – he doesn't need to even be doing that in the first place. Like fucking John McEnroe smashing rackets on the court. Hey, I, I fucking love Johnny Mac. I know you do. That's why I threw that in there. See, I can talk, I can talk tennis with you. Um, All my references are, are 90s dated, but whatever. The golden era. Before the dark times. Before the Federer. <laughs> Just kidding. Federer's a good guy. He's a classy dude. Um, but, yeah, you know <laughs> but um, yeah, just... The, and it was also... It was like... If, the visual of it hitting her right in the throat. And obviously, was, I, I giggle because like she's 100% okay now and everything's yeah. fine. But the visual of that ball hitting her right in the Adam's apple is just... That's a tough visual. That hits me. I don't. I, I probably vomit on the spot. Like I'm vomiting everywhere. Yeah, if that hits me, like people were talking about her embellishing it, and I'm just ah. wondering, like, you know, if you get kind of like just like a little bit like finger poked in the throat, like you'll be a little stunned. Like it is your yeah. throat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he didn't even hit it that hard. Yeah, for Novak Djokovic, it looked like he just flicked of his wrist. The flick of his wrist is like. 200 times harder than I could ever hit a tennis ball in my entire life. But it was just a crazy thing. It'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, he's he's been in some hot water lately. So just interesting the impact it has on the legacy and going forward. But this is not a tennis podcast, unfortunately. This is not Unforced Error. This is only a podcast. incredible name. It really is. If we did a tennis podcast, that's what it would be called. Uh, please, please, please follow us on Twitter at OwnGoalPod. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. If you get your podcast from anywhere else besides those two, I don't know what to tell you. But if you get your podcast from iTunes or Spotify, you'll find <laughs> us. We're on Instagram at OwnGoalPod. Please email us, OwnGoalPod at gmail.com. We want the more user interaction we get, the more things we can ultimately do. Um, this is a great episode. I love the European preview. I love the in, the Euro trash episode where we just get in the grime and the dirt of Europe. There's, there's a reason. There's a reason that we never. There's a reason we never skip this episode every season. Yeah, it's because it's fun. So much fun to do. It really is. Just just because like, we don't have to break things down or analyze games, we just get to purely speculate. 
we get to show you how little we know when we talk about our predictions and then five weeks in, clearly they're not possible. <laughs> that was good. But um, please, uh, you know, subscribe, follow, hit us up on our social media. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, no, no. Surrender your core.